We are um, at the very beginning of, of walking through the book of Philippians. The, the church in Philippi was uh, an incredibly gracious group of people. And from the time that they heard the gospel, from the time Paul presented the gospel to them, they, they said, we're in. And they were generous and gracious, and they funded him, and they supported him, and they gave moral support to him as he went out and, and did his ministry. I'm going to read you three verses, and I'm going to focus on one verse from Philippians chapter 1. Verse 3 says this. This is Paul. He's saying, every time I think of you, I thank, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain, he said, that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day of Christ returns. He said, I am convinced, I am certain. The commentators say this is a very strong word. I'm absolutely convinced. There's no doubt in my mind that God will complete the work that he began in you. Because God always finishes what he starts. He never leaves undone anything that he begins. There is not a planet that is half finished in our solar system. Nothing that he does is half finished. And God began to work in you. And he said, he, he committed himself he said, to finish the work that he began in you. I love what Paul writes in Romans 8, 29. He says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God knows you and he still chooses you. I mean, he knows you and then he still chooses you. Your wife doesn't even really know you. Your husband doesn't really, they don't know you, but he knows you and he still chooses you. And you want to know why? He chooses you because your mistakes are not bigger than his power to fulfill the work and to finish the work that he began. You can't screw up big enough. It is impossible for you because his power and his commitment and his strength and his purposes for you are stronger than your mistakes. So even your mistakes won't keep you from his perfect will. Just keep your heart right and follow your feet and he will direct you. And he said he'll finish it when Christ returns. See, God knows you and he chooses you and you are still on plan A. Okay? You are still on plan A. There is a, a Japanese sensei, a Japanese master who is a brilliant artist. And students come from all over the world to study under this man. And one day he gave them uh, each some clay, the special clay. And he directed them, he said, today I want you to put your talent and your creativity and your art into this clay and I want you to make a bowl. And so they 
each created their own work of art and they made a bowl. The, 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 the prize student in the class created such a beautiful bowl, no one had ever seen anything quite like it. And then they, the, the, the master said, now take it home and fire it yourself. Put it in the kiln. And then tomorrow, bring it back to this class. And so this student went back home and he fired the, the, the bowl that he had made. And when he went to retrieve it, to his horror, the, the, the bowl had cracked in the kiln. And, and he went to pick it up and it fell apart. And so he was horrified. He had failed. And, he, and he, he picked the pieces up and didn't know what to do. And he put them in a box and he brought them back to class. And the master is standing in front of the, of the class and he's just smiling and they're all looking sheepishly, all brought their boxes and Finally, the student stands up and he said, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what I did wrong, but it broke. It, my, my bowl broke. Then when I went to grab it, it fell apart. To which the sensei said, every single one of you in here with your box of brokenness are all part of plan A. You were all part of plan B. He said, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that the heat was too much for that which I gave you. I knew it. But being broken is the first step. It had to break. And he said, but the beauty we're going to create today is infinitely more than anything you could have done yesterday. And he invited that student to bring his bowl to the front of the class and the master, he, he, he took the pieces and he began to put them together. And then he had a small bowl that was covered. It was molten gold. And he took a brush and he began to brush the edges where the cracks were. And he began to glue the bowl back together with gold. And in the end, the bowl was more magnificent than anything you could ever imagine. Brokenness is integral to your beauty. Two maestros listening to a soprano sing, one said, isn't her tone perfect? To which the other said, if only her heart were broken. Brokenness is absolutely integral to your beauty. Look at that bowl. Look at that bowl. That bowl is you. That bowl is you. You think you're just broken, but you don't know that he has promised to complete the work that he began in you, and you are beautiful. And when he's finished with you, you're going to be more beautiful than you ever imagined you could be. That bowl, that is, that is what, what God spoke to Isaiah when he said to those who, who are enslaved in Israel, those who mourn in Zion, he said, I'm going to give you beauty for your ashes. And joy for your mourning and for your desperation and your weakness, I'm going to give you praise. So if the choices that you've made in your life have brought you to ashes, I have good news. You have not missed plan A. And if your decisions have brought you to a place of deep mourning and sadness, you haven't missed plan A. And if you're in a place of despair, 
you don't have to despair because you have not missed plan A. Because he who began a good work in you will continue it. There was a, a sculptor who um, was in his studio and he had this enormous slab of marble in his studio. And he worked long hours with a hammer and a chisel and pounding away at this piece of marble. And there was a child that, that often wandered into the studio just to see what the man was doing. And the child really didn't notice anything. He, he just noticed this enormous slab of marble and pieces of marble flying here and there. And the ground is covered with little rocks or marble shards. The child returned about three weeks later, and to his amazement, he saw this majestic, this, this mighty lion standing in the place where the slab of marble was. And he ran to the sculptor, and he said to the sculptor, how did you, how did you know there was a lion in the marble? And the sculptor said, there was a, because I saw the lion in my heart. And the lion in my heart saw the lion in the marble. And that's how we knew what to, what to chip away and what to leave and what to keep. Isn't that a beautiful picture of you? You think you're just a slab of something. But the father looks at you. And it's, it's the beauty that is in his heart that sees the beauty in you, he sees a beauty and a strength and a courage that you may not possess today, but he sees it because he knows he created you for it. He sees a discipline. He sees a creativity. He sees a, 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 a proficiency and an ability inside of you that you don't see in you. But he who began that work promised to complete that work. Sometimes the heat and the pressure of life is, is just too much, isn't it? Sometimes it's just too much, and so we quit. And sometimes the, 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 the sculptor's chisel feels cruel, and we break. And we feel empty and naked. And he takes things from us. He takes things from us that we liked. He takes things from us that were part of us. And, 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 and get lofted off and we feel alone and we feel naked and we feel vulnerable. Sometimes the most, some of the most defining moments in your life are when you fail. We are so afraid of failure. We are so afraid of failure. When I, uh, I cheated all the way through high school, thank you. And, um, um, and then I decided when I went to SAIT that I was going to actually study. And I didn't realize you actually have to know some things from high school to do actually, you know, to get to, to, to do well in college. And I, and I took telecommunications, which is really math heavy. And, and uh, math is not my spiritual gift. And, um, and, and, and so I studied. So I went for, um, got into the program. And I literally studied so much. And I worked so hard. And I, was, and, and, and I just was hoping it would all come together on the midterm. 
Because it didn't make any sense to me, no matter how hard I studied, or how hard it was to do it. It did not make any sense. But I thought, you know what? When I get to the midterm, it'll all make sense. I don't know who told me to think like that, but it doesn't work. I got 30% on my midterm. 30%. After studying for a whole month and a half, 30%. Oh, I barely got out of the school and I'm walking home and I am bawling my eyes out because I failed. And I felt like a failure for a long time. So, that, but, but this time it was epic. I failed. And I only lived about a kilometer from the, the college. And so I, I found back alleyways and I was sobbing like a drunken man all the way home. And I get home to where my car is supposed to be parked and that's when I remembered I drove to school that morning. <laughs> and I thought, of course. Oh, that makes sense, you know. So right when you're down, you get kicked in the ear. <clears throat> so failure is something that makes you curl in on yourself. But failure is also a God-given catalyst to reveal your gold. Failure and hardship and pain and brokenness is an incredible catalyst that God uses to show you your own gold, the gold that he gave you. I've seen this so often in counseling. Underneath our deepest wounds, underneath our deepest fears, there is a treasure hidden there. And if you, can, if you can take your eyes off of your pain and your fear and, and, and you see what truth is lying underneath there, it's almost the thing, it sets you free and then you set others free. And I realized something, for the rest of our lives, we'll be passing through the shifting sands of circumstances. And, and, and you are going to be multiple personality if you keep defining yourself by your circumstances. Because today your circumstances may be quite favorable and everything's good and you feel good and you look good and you smell good. But then other circumstances are harsh and they're difficult. And other circumstances take us right out of our comfort zone and that we're, we're terrified because we, we, we don't have a compass for being where we are. And when you're passing through the shifting sands, the change of circumstances, especially the hard ones when they're pressing down on you, you want to ask yourself, what did I do wrong to get here? What did I do wrong? But that's not the right question to ask. Or the other question is, what, what do I have to do to get back my life? Which again, is not the right question to ask. The right question to ask is, what strength is God developing in me? What grace is he working in me at this time? That's the question that will lead you to your gold. Did you know that the, the, the Bible talks about Moses in the Old Testament, and it says that he was the most humble man on the earth. I'd like to be the most something. I'd just like to have that, and I'd like to put that on my... He was the most humble man. How, how, that would be really humble, right? Maybe he was the most humble man on the earth because... He was the most broken man on the earth. Do you know he was exiled to a wilderness for 40 years? 40 years 
where he's just being crushed again and again and again. 40 years until God had finished the work that was necessary. And from the wilderness in a day, he becomes the leader of a nation and liberates them from 400 years of slavery. There's a verse in the book of Luke, Luke chapter one, verse 80. It's not going to come up on the screen. And it reads like this. And John remained, he's talking about John the Baptist. And John remained in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel. Well, that verse is so loaded. That verse is full. You know what it means? It means John spent 30 years of his life in a wilderness Nobody invited him to play in all the reindeer games. You know what? Everybody else is going to school and, and wearing whatever Jewish kids wore on their heads. But John is in a wilderness. 30 years. And Jesus referred to him as the greatest man on earth. And John remained in the wilderness. I'll give you one more. Paul. You know, he has this Damascus experience and he has this conversion experience. And for the next 14 years, Paul disappears. For 14 years, he was crushed and prepared and equipped and crushed and prepared and equipped. For 14 years. For 14 years, for only 10 years of ministry, which would follow. 14 years. I don't know this. Why? Okay, figure this out. Dr. Luke, he wrote the, the book of Acts. He spends 16 verses talking about 14 years of crushing. And then he goes on to spend 16 chapters talking about 10 years of ministry. It's because nobody talks about the brokenness, the breaking, the school that, that, that we all go through. That God has put you in. And so this is the question I want to ask you. What is the wilderness you are in preparing you for? What's God preparing you for? And this pain that you're in and this wilderness that you're in, what's it preparing you for? What is this great thing that God has begun in you? And what does it look like when it's finished? And what is this great thing that God has promised to complete in your life? What is it? There's a process that's difficult to understand. And the process looks like this, that we must decrease so that he can increase. And that a grain of wheat needs to fall into the ground and die. Yeah, die. Before it will produce any fruit. It's difficult to wrap our minds around. But our problems and our sufferings and our challenges, they do something that almost nothing else in life can do. They take all of the stuff that's in your head and they push it into your heart. There are so many things I actually believed about God that I didn't really believe about God until I went through something. And all of a sudden, it gets pushed into your heart. And now it's core to my own essence. It's core to my own understanding of who he is. There's truths about myself that somebody can tell you, but you don't really believe it until somehow you get into the pressure cooker of life and it moves from your head to your heart. I'm going to tell you one more story, and then I'm done. So I'm going to invite Clyde and the team to come on back up. Um, 
I met, some of you will have heard this if you've been around here for five or six years. <clears throat> I met a guy by the name of Walter um, about 10 years ago. Walter was 19 years old. Walter uh, was, uh, was off to play for the, the Red Wings, the D Detroit Red Wings. About a month before training camp, um, Walter was, he's from Vancouver. Their team was playing in a tournament here in Kelowna. And in between games, they would go down to City Park and they would play around in the water and the beach and all that. And um, the rest of the team was already packing stuff up and Walter decided to dive into the lake one more time and he dove into the lake and he hit a sandbar and he broke his neck. And he became a quadriplegic. Walter's value, his validation, all of his life came from the fact that he was the strongest and the fastest. Came from the fact that he was physically, he was a beast. And his whole sense of value went absolutely in, in his own mind. Became diminished so much so that he, he, he talks about just coming to terms with your new reality. He said, I was so depressed. He said, despair filled my heart. And for years, he said, I just, I just was so sad and so empty and so full of despair. And then Walter um, said something happened that I did not expect. He said that I, I was alone and I was alone in my despair and my hopelessness and my depression. And he said, when, when all of a sudden I, I saw a light in my, in here somewhere, he said about the, about, looked like a glowworm, you know, or a firefly. And he said, it was so small, but I kept looking at it. And he said, the more I looked at it, the more it grew. And then he said, I realized what this is. He said, but it doesn't make any sense because it was hope. He said, I have nothing to hope in. I have no hope. But it continued to grow. And over time, he came to recognize that that hope was actually the presence of the living God. And Walter began to welcome that light inside of him and began to build a relationship with Jesus the miracle of Walter's story is not that God healed his broken body, but that he healed his darkness, his aloneness, that he healed his despair. And the interesting thing is, is that, 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 that Walter, uh, he, he, he acknowledged what was going on inside of him. And this is the amazing thing, is that he spent the rest of his life, the rest of his life working as a counselor for spinal cord injuries. Um, for, and, 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 and his gift was this, is that he could go for, to somebody whose life has just been altered terribly. And he could sit with them in their pain. He could sit with them in their despair. He could sit with them in their depression. And he said he was very comfortable in there. He'd been there for long enough. He knew his way around in there. And he said, and I would just sit there with them until that little light that was in me went to them. And he began to share is gold. Isn't it interesting that in this most terrible, most difficult tragedy of his life, he discovered his gold and he has been mining his gold his entire life. Here he is with a broken body healing people almost every single day. 
of their broken hearts. Now can you see how underneath our tragedies and our pain is hidden our treasure? Let me read you one quote from C.S. Lewis and I'm going to sit down. C.S. Lewis said this, if we let him, he's talking about God, if we let him, he can make the feeblest and filthiest of us into dazzling, radiant, immortal creatures, pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot imagine. He will make us bright, stainless mirrors which reflect back to God perfectly, but of course on a smaller scale, his own boundless delight and goodness.